Well, today we're continuing in our series in looking at the Lord's Prayer, talking about prayer. And so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 today. We are going to kind of be all over the place as we look at the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. But I, I love what Dwight L. Moody said. He said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Now, I, I don't have the clicker with me today, and so I'm going to need... Uh, you're going to get it for me? Thank you. But today we're going to continue in talking about the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to continue for at least two more weeks. That's the plan. It might end up being three. Uh, but as of right now, we're going to go for two. And so what I'd like to do is to start off by reading the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. There were a couple of different things that we highlighted last week. One is that the Lord's Prayer is a model for how we should pray. Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer as an example. I mentioned the one author puts as the ingredients to a prayer, right? It's not that every time we pray, we must make sure we pray the Lord's Prayer exactly like the way it is. Otherwise, otherwise something might go wrong. Or, or if you pray the Lord's Prayer just the way that it is, and, and well, if you read the ESV, the ESV, or the King James, the King James, right, then maybe, just maybe you'll get that thing you've always wanted. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But instead, this is, this is a template. This is a model. Here are the ingredients you should include when praying. Scripture teaches us that there are many things to pray for. We highlighted a couple of different styles of prayer, different types of prayer last week. But one of the things that I, I want to get into before we, we move farther is that we are told in Scripture to live lives of continual prayer. Continual prayer. Well, what, what does that mean, to live a life of continual prayer? Well, it doesn't mean that you never interact with anybody else. You never talk with anybody else. It's not that you go out to eat with another family and, and you sit down and the whole time you never actually converse because you're praying, right? That's not what it means. But instead, that prayer is an integral part of your life. It's part of your being. You make it your first choice instead of your last resort. That means that when you're, when you're at home and you're trying to find the keys and you can't find them anywhere because you just can't remember where you put them and you find them, you say, thank you, Lord. Realizing God's sovereignty in all things. Realizing God's goodness in all things. It's, it's each little thing that happens. Your response is prayer. There was a stranger uh, who approached the pastor after the service one week. And he said, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for my hearing. So the pastor quickly, immediately, placed his hands on the man, man's ears and said a passionate, earnest prayer. He walks up to the man who asked prayer for his hearing, puts his hands on his ears, and prays. After he's done, he takes his hands off and he said, how's your hearing now? The man's kind of startled. He said, well, my hearing's not until tomorrow. <laughs> but if you could pray for my hearing, that'd be, that'd be great. 
This week we continue to study the Lord's Prayer, the words of Christ. Last week we looked at two different parts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, it reminds us of who we are praying to. God Almighty, who is our Father, who loves us dearly. A good father doesn't always say yes. And so we know that when we come before our Father in prayer, there are times he will say no, and he's saying no for our good. Our Father in heaven. We're reminded that he is in heaven, that he is over all things. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his ways better than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Hallowed be your name. Reminds us of the holiness of the name of God. It reminds us of how we are to approach the throne of God. God's name is exalted among every name. We looked quickly at a couple of different ways that attributes that are attached to the name of God in scripture last week. He's our protector, our provider, our banner, our warrior, our shield, our deliverer. And we could go on and on. But today we're going to study your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? What does that mean? When I come before the Lord in prayer, I, I get that I'm praying to God and I get that he's my father and I get that he is to be exalted. His name should be feared. It should be treated with the utmost respect and reverence in our daily lives. What does it mean to pray for his kingdom to come? What does it mean to really pray that God's will be done? Because I'll tell you, especially about God's will, there's a lot of false teaching that exists out there today. And we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would communicate your truth. Father, that you would remove distractions. As beautiful as the snow is outside, Father, may you communicate our truth, your truth to us today. May you open our ears, open our eyes to what you have. Lord, we, we pray today for a Moses and a burning bush type experience. Lord, that's what we want. We want to hear from you so clearly that we know what you're communicating to us. God, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we start off with the phrase, your kingdom come. What does this mean? What is Jesus telling us that we are to pray for when we say, your kingdom come? One of the main ways is that the Lord will shine his light here on this earth. The song that we sang in the beginning, Lord, rend the heavens and come down till all the earth is holy ground. Bring revival. We pray for revival. That the kingdom of God would come to earth. That we would see holiness because of Christ in the lives of people. We would see righteousness lived out. We live in such a wicked world. It's not just recently wicked. It's not been wicked for the last 10 years or 20 years, but it's been wicked almost since the beginning. To when man decided to turn away from God. We pray that God would bring revival, that he would rain down from the heavens. Your kingdom come to this earth that is so... <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, but there are times when I look out and it's so discouraging to see how dark and how wicked the world is. To hear of things that are celebrated, things that are emphasized, things that are pushed. I, I, uh, sometimes I'm just lost for words. And the prayer is, Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, bring revival. 
Luke 17, 20 and 21. The Bible says a lot about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. And in Luke 17, Jesus responds to the Pharisees by saying this. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or there be, or, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now, the, now, what Jesus was not telling the Pharisees that the kingdom of God lived in their hearts, right? He was actually referring to himself. I'm right here. I'm in your midst. The kingdom of God is here. It's here. Open your eyes. God's moving. And one of the things that can become so discouraging in the dark world is that we can focus on our circumstances. We're told to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Not in circumstances. Not in perspectives, but in spirit and in truth. And where do we find that truth? In the word of God. And we rest in that and we hold on that. Lord, let your kingdom come. I know you're here, Lord. Help us to be carriers of this kingdom to this world. Open our eyes. Romans 14, 17 also highlights the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. God, bring your kingdom here. May we see transformation happen in the lives of people. This world needs the righteousness, the peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, I look at different places of scripture where Jesus would heal people. But more importantly than healing them, was delivering them from their sins. The physical healing was one thing. Spiritual healing is something else. Physical healing is temporary. Will last you for X amount of days. But being spiritually forgiven because of the work of Christ is eternal. We're told different things about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Both speak of God being the ruler. We pray that his kingdom would flood the earth and that people would truly understand what Mark 8.38 means when we are told, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Why does that matter? You can have everything here. Yet there will come a day when it will all be gone. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Let's look at a couple of other verses here about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He would do that because if he owns the field, he owns the treasure. Verses 45 and 46, continuing in the same chapter. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went on and sold all that he had and bought it. What do these verses teach us about the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of God. The kingdom that we pray, your kingdom come. They teach us that the kingdom of God that Jesus is worth more than anything else that we could ever imagine. Look, look with me really, really quick, and this is, uh, this is pretty neat, but look at, look at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then look at this. Then in his joy, 
This man finds this treasure. He, he covers it up in the field because if he, if he goes and buys this field, he'll own the treasure that's there, right? So he, he goes and he finds this, this amazing treasure. He covers it up. He goes and sells everything he had. But he doesn't do it begrudgingly. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because it's great joy. He sells everything with great and tremendous joy. Why? Because Jesus is worth more than anything else that exists in this earth. Your kingdom come. Lord, open the eyes of the blind that they can see how great you are. Bring revival. That the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit might flood the hearts of individuals. This isn't saying that we buy the kingdom of God with, with, with finances or anything like that. But instead it's, it's that Jesus paid that price. But it shows us the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is worth more than anything we could ever imagine. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else, forget it. Because Jesus is worth more than anything else. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. Lord, bring revival. Your kingdom come to a world that is, that is dark, a world that is filled with evil. Your kingdom come to this place. And we have been told to carry the message of the gospel. So while we pray that, and I truly believe that, when we pray, we have to understand that God will give us opportunities to spread the kingdom. One of the things that we're, we're, we will get to, and uh, looking at probably early spring, beginning of summer, uh, the evangelism class that we're going to talk about. What does it mean to go and, and tell somebody else about Jesus? How can I do that? It's a scary thing to do. One of the things that I've found in my life is that if you start praying, asking that God will give you opportunities, they come pretty quick. I think sometimes God just makes us more aware of the opportunities that he's already given us in our lives to be able to speak with people. But that moment you start praying, that you start becoming more aware of, of all of this. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Um, the, the moment that you start, start becoming more aware of this, I believe is one of the times when we start praying. And so, be ready. Because when we pray, your kingdom come. What we're asking, one of the things that we ask, is that God would give us the opportunity to spread the gospel message. Lord, bring your kingdom to this earth. See, we, we, we can't separate prayer in our own lives. Lord, Lord, I really hope your kingdom comes, but don't use me. I, I don't want to be a part of this. Your will be done, but, but not in my life. Let me run my own life. Right? No. <coughs> Our prayer is your kingdom come. <coughs> your will be done. Excuse me. Lord, bring revival to a land that is plagued with sin, with a people who are selfish and angry, to a people who are broken and lost. Bring your hope. And the second phrase that we'll look at today is your will be done. God's will is not always our will. You've probably recognized that. You probably have seen that in your life. God's will is not always our will. Yet God knows best. We pray for God's will because we know that what God's will is, is what is absolutely best. But, but how do I pray for God's will 
when I'm afraid that his plans don't match my plans. When I'm praying for a loved one who's really sick. Maybe God's will is to bring him home. I'm not ready for that yet. God's will can never lead me into difficulty, right? God's will can never lead me into pain, right? Because that's, that, that just doesn't seem to, to match. And before we get there, let me read you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. The prayer of the believer confessing thy will be done recognizes our extreme limitations as human beings. God has given us the ability to think, to make choices, to be creative. Yet we only see so far. Even, even the person with the biggest picture, even the most visionary person, only sees so much. But God sees it all. And he has a perfect plan that he's bringing to fruition. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That points us exactly to how his will is better than our will. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Not you will make your path straight. He will make your paths straight. Your will be done. One of the best examples of your will be done is found in the life of Christ. Mark 14, 36, Jesus calls out to the Father and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. <coughs> Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Charles Spurgeon said that Jesus, he taught us in this prayer, used it himself in the most unrestricted sense. When the bloody sweat stood on his face and all the fear and trembling of a man in anguish were upon him, he did not dispute the decree of the Father, but bowed his head and cried, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus sets the ultimate example for us in following the will of the Father in the place of utmost difficulty, utmost pain, Knowing what, li what was before him and, and, and carrying the sin of humanity on the cross. He said, not my will, but yours. The will of God does not mean that there will be no pain. It does not mean sunshine and roses. It does not mean health and wealth. There are, there are certain people who will teach that if you're living within the will of God, everything in your life should be going pretty well. Your family's going to be healthy. Your relationships will be good. Your finances should be good. Your health should be good. I'll, I'll tell you something today. There are marriages who have broken up because one person has chosen not to follow the will of God while the other spouse might have been faithful and been doing their best to live within the will of God. And that, that spouse who was living within the will of God, I'm sure, I'm sure there are times he sat there or she sat there and thought, Lord, what did I do? And maybe it was nothing that they did. 
What about when, when a parent loses a child? I, I heard um, Sarah's parents' church in Florida, their, their pastor just preached on this not that long ago, and his mom was murdered. Was he living outside the will of God for, for this pain to be brought in his life? No. That doesn't necessarily mean that. See, praying for God's will can actually mean that you're praying for extreme difficulty and hardship to come on your own life. It can lead us to places of, of discouragement. Yet God promises to be with us through it all. Jesus told Peter that his will, that what was going to happen with Peter, Peter would be a martyr. Do you remember that? Jesus it tells him, you, you're, you're going to be a martyr. Is that easy? Is that what we hear oftentimes taught? Living within the will of God. <laughs> You're going to die really comfortably one day. It's going, to be, it's going to be great. No. Living within the will of God can mean extreme difficulty, yet God promises to be with us through it all. Praying for God's will can mean that you're about to walk into a storm in your life. Yet he'll be with you through it. God's will can be for you to walk into a storm in your life. Because he wants to teach you something. He has something he wants to show you. Maybe there's something he wants to show somebody else. For those who say that living within the will of God means that there will be no difficulty, no struggles... They must have not read this book. Living within the will of God can lead somebody into prison. It can lead somebody to be martyred. It can lead somebody to many difficulties that come in life. Yet God promises to be with us through it all. I think of the example of Joseph. Was Joseph perfect? Absolutely not. Yet Joseph made some solid biblical decisions. I think of Potiphar's wife and he turns away from the temptation. What happens? What's his consequence? Right? For doing the right thing, right? He goes to jail. Sometimes following the will of God does not mean things are going to be easy. But the will of God is always the right thing to do. It's always the right way to go. Lord, we want your will to come in our lives and we want you to make it clear and give us the courage to follow whatever you have for us. It might lead me into the storm. It might lead me into difficulty and discouragement, but I trust God. I trust that your will is always best. I know it. I believe it. I hold on to it. I, I'm reminded of Romans 8, 28, which says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. <laughs> That means even the most difficult and painful day in your life, God is working and moving to use it for good. You might not understand it while on this earth, yet he is. And so we come before our Father in heaven and we, and we pray to the name that is above every name. And we ask God that his kingdom would come. Here on this earth. 
that God would move. I, I love the song, Build Your Kingdom Here. They, they just do, I, I love the words of the song. They, they really do a great job of depicting what, what that looks like. And, and let, me read, let me read just one verse to you here today. And I, I should have brought it over with me. But it says, unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and far. No force of hell can stop your beauty changing hearts. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom's seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church. We are the hope on earth. We pray that his kingdom would come on this earth realizing and recognizing that we are to carry the message of hope to the lost. And then we pray that his will is done. Martin Luther he said, if it were the will of God, I'd plant an oak tree today, even if Christ were coming tomorrow. Think about that with me for a moment. If it were the will of God, I'd plant an oak tree today, even if Christ were coming tomorrow. Why? Because it's the will of God. As, as Noah was building the ark, as he was told by God to build the ark, do you wonder if there was ever a day when he thought, I wonder why I'm doing this. There was ever a month when he thought, I wonder, but, but God told me and so I'm going to stick with it. And sometimes, sometimes the will of God in your life will not be clear. It won't make sense, but you'll know. You'll know this is what God wants you to do. So stick with it. Stick with it. Trusting, trusting that what God has called you to he will continue to give you the strength to do. We pray to our Father who loves us deeply, whose name deserves the utmost respect. We pray that he would bring his kingdom, that we would be living testimonies of that, that we would seek him above all else, and that it would be his will that happens in our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the Lord's Prayer, for the example in Scripture that Jesus gives us in how to pray. Lord, we are, we are people who like to live by our own will, making our own decisions, doing our own things. Yet, Lord, we recognize that it is your will that we must follow. We confess, Lord, that it's your will that we should follow. And Lord, we ask that you would give us the, the courage, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, make your will clear for us, Lord, that we would follow it. And part of your will for our lives is that we would be kingdom messengers. Lord, as we look around and see a, a world that is just filled with darkness and confusion and pain and hatred, and evil. We ask that your kingdom come. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us as we close our time together. This is my Father's world, and to my 
listening ears All nature sings and round me rings The music of the spheres This is my Father's world I rest me Come heal our 
trust that you truly are the ruler over all. God, give us courage to speak truth this week, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy, and to glorify you in everything that is said and done. May we be people who carry the message of the kingdom, trusting in your will for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.